As uh, most of you know, we have been in a series on guardrails, and today we're on the guardrail of generosity. Generosity, and as, as I have mentioned uh, in the weeks past, uh, guardrail is a, is a natural thing, you know, it's made up of compound, metal, wood, whatever the case may be, sometimes even concrete, but in the natural, it's to keep us from going down into troubled areas is to keep us from going to places that we really do not want to go anyway, right? I mean, nobody wants to go off a cliff or run into head-on into traffic. No one wants to go off the side of a bridge. And that's what a guardrail in the natural is designed uh, to be for. Uh, but uh, I hopefully you've picked up by now that these guardrails are so important in the natural. It always makes us feel safer, especially if you have kids. When you're 20, in your 20s and in your teens, you could care less about guardrails because you're never going to run off the road anyway, right? <laughs> Wrong. But you get a little older, you realize that you need those guardrails. And as important as they are in the natural, they're even more important in our personal lives. They're even more important in our spiritual lives. And really, and what they are, and I, and I hope that you have picked up on this, a guardrail is a, a warning device. You know, if, if you're driving down the highway or driving down the interstate and you look ahead of you, whether it's a quarter mile or a half mile, whatever the case may be, and you see guardrails on the side, well, you know they're there for a certain reason. They're there to protect you because there's danger on the other side of the guardrails. And hopefully, that's what we've established the last few weeks uh, about guardrails in our personal lives. And in our personal lives, when we start to get over close to these guardrails that we've been talking about, it's like a warning, a warning device in our mind and in our heart. You know, hey, now pay attention now. We're getting a little close. We're getting a little close to danger. We're getting a little close to going to a place that we certainly do not want to go. And hopefully those guardrails, those personal guardrails will help us come back to the center of the road, to the center of our focus, to where we really all want to be anyway. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. So guardrails are, are, they're made, they're established, not only in the natural, but also in the spiritual, to keep us out of trouble, keep us out of danger areas. And today we're going to talk about generosity. Now, let me, before I go too, too much farther, if you, if you didn't, wasn't here last week, I encourage you to get that CD at, at this exit and this over here. Uh, there's CDs out there. I encourage you to get that. Uh, Guiding Words is, uh, was the title of it. And uh, I'll tell you, there are some powerful scriptural truths biblical truths on that CD that every Christian needs to know. And I'll repeat that, every Christian. Not because I preach it, but because it is the Word of God. All right? Generosity. It's a guardrail that, that keeps us from going and getting, getting us off track. And believe it or not, I read this several years ago, and I'm, I'm sure this number is still correct. Uh, I think I've plugged it into my mind uh, correctly when I did, uh, there are 2,467 scriptures on finances in the Bible. 
2,467. Now, how crazy is that? Now, let me tell you that the reason there's so many scriptures in the Bible about finances, the number one reason, it, it, it is not about money. God does not need your money. He does not need my money. The scripture says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The streets of heaven are paved with gold, something that we consider valuable. But it's not about money. What it is about, it's about our devotion to him, our loyalty to him, and our love for him. Matthew 6, 24, we've got this scripture for you this morning. A classic scripture, and we're going to look here in Matthew 6 for, for just a little bit. It says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, isn't that odd that Jesus says no one can serve both God and money? Now, wouldn't you think he would have used a different word there? Wouldn't you think that he would have put the devil in there, that no one can serve God and the devil at the same time? That's probably what I would have done if I would have been writing. I would, that's what, what I would have done. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, before you came here this morning, you probably didn't wake up and say, hmm, am I going to serve God today or am I going to serve the devil today? Hmm, am I going to get out my, what, what do, I don't know what witches do. <laughs> am I going to get out my whatever it is or am I going to go to church and worship God? See, most of you did not have that thought process go through your mind today. And if you did, we need to talk a little further, okay? But most of you did not. But what, what he, Jesus is telling us is he is looking both in the past and in the future, and he knows that man's greatest temptation was to be self-providing, where we get to a point in life, and America's the greatest nation on earth, even with all of our faults and all of our problems, we see this even more that we feel we get to the point where we feel like we don't even need God. We can pay our own bills. We can take care of our family. We can go to the doctor if we get sick. We can do all of these things. If we get a little bit down, if we get a little bit sad, we can go shopping. If we get down a little bit sad, we can go boating, we can go camping. So we, if, we have to be very careful, and Jesus knew this, and we'll look at another scripture here in just a moment that will kind of show that, that Jesus knew and that this phenomenon has never changed. But it says you cannot serve both God and money. And really, God is not concerned about what you do with your money. That's what not, is not what he's concerned about. God is concerned about what you do with your heart. God is not concerned that you have nice stuff. I love, and I'm not against nice, I love nice stuff. Does everybody like nice stuff? I love nice stuff. 
My family's always been a car family. I love nice cars. I've always loved nice cars. Does anybody like nice cars? Absolutely. We, yeah, sure we do. Nice horses. We love nice horses. Nice motorcycles. Nice side-by-sides. Nice four-wheelers. Nice campers. Nice fishing rod. Oh, yeah. Or a really nice lure. Oh, all right. Give me that lure and I'll catch a bass with that. Yeah. But see, God's not against any of this nice stuff. He just don't want this nice stuff to come between you and him. That's really what, what it's all about. And that's why Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. Or let me, I'll put this a different way. You cannot serve both God and your stuff. And let me reiterate, I am not opposed to nice stuff. You know what? I truly believe the scripture says, and, and I, I, could, uh, I could validate this with four, five, six, seven, no telling how many scriptures. God wants you blessed. But he also wants you to know where the blessings come from. Was it two weeks ago? I preached on a guardrail of uh, the attitude of faith. And I mentioned that each and every one of us could have been born in a third world country, but we're not. Each and every one of us could have been born numerous different ways in different areas of the world, but we were not. And how that is such a reason to praise him. And the stuff that he allows us to have, that are great reasons to praise him also. No one can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other. He'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, there's another scripture, 1 Timothy 16, we, 6.10. We don't have that this morning. But it says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And of course, so many times people take that out of context, but it says, the love of money. The love of money. And see, that ties in with this scripture. It says, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot love God to your fullest if money is before God. If you hold on to your money and value your money more than you value your obedience to God, you are putting your money before God. Now, I'm not telling you that money is bad. But I am telling you, if we can make this change, this transition in our hearts and in our minds, in the church of the living God, it will change us. Because no longer will we have this, this thing between us and God. God will have all of us. And that's what he truly wants. He's not concerned about all of your stuff. He's concerned about all of your heart. I shared this before, I'm going to share it again. You know, whenever I first got, uh, it wasn't when I first got saved, it was about six months after I first got saved, and I was still struggling with addiction even after I got saved. And we was at the 
a small Bible study. There was four people there, me and my wife and Bill and Vicki. No, there was five. Me and, me and my wife and Bill and Vicki Clark and another young man that was going to seminary. And they asked if anybody needed prayer. And I was a born-again believer, and I knew that I needed prayer because I had this addiction that I could not get rid of. So, you know, I, I told them that, that I wanted them to pray for me. And, and they just anointed my head with oil right there, just like the book of James says to do. And I'll never forget this. When they started praying, I, I, you just do know that God speaks to his children, right? We know that, right? All right. In the natural, you speak to your children, right? Right. Your children speak to you, right? Okay. So anyway, when they, when they started praying for me, it's just like I knew that I knew that I knew that God was saying, you got to open your heart. And I don't, I don't want to open my heart. And God says, you got to open your heart. And you know, and most of the time as young men, we're raised, to, you don't open your heart. That's not what you do. You suck it up. You be a man. You handle your own stuff. You go to work and you do what you're supposed to do. But see, that is detrimental when it comes to the things of God. Because what God needs us to do is for us men and women to open our heart. Because see, that's his, that is his prized possession, is your heart. You know, we all have prized possessions, whatever it might be. Well, you, with all of your faults and all of your issues, you are God's prized possession. Amen. In Matthew 6, verse 31, just a few moments after... Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, just a few moments after the, the scripture that, where he says that you cannot serve God and money. Matthew 6, 31, we got it right here for you. It says, don't worry about these things, what you will eat, what you will drink, and what you will wear. These things dominate the thoughts of the unbeliever. Hmm. But your heavenly Father already knows of your needs. So go back, go back just a minute to 31. So you'll notice this. He says, don't worry about what you eat, what you'll drink, and what you'll wear. Okay? Now he's telling us, don't worry about the basic needs of survival. And if I could add to that scripture, if you would let me do that, I would say, don't worry about what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear. And my goodness, don't worry about your stuff. <laughs> okay? If I could add that on there, is that okay? You religious folks aren't going to throw stuff at me, are you? So my goodness, I mean, we got lots of things to be focused on, but it's certainly not our stuff. Okay, go ahead and go to verse 2 now, verse 32. It says, these things dominate the thoughts of the unbeliever. We shouldn't be thinking like unbelievers, right? I mean, we're children of the king. We're washed in the blood. We've got, we've got greater promises than a new Corvette. My goodness. Although I would take one. <laughs> I'm just saying. Cody. <laughs> Cody and John, if you have one to loan for a couple days. <laughs> no, these things, they dominate the thoughts of the unbeliever. 
Man, we should be way past that. See, the unbeliever, they can't get past what they see in the natural. That they can't get past their, their, their food and their drink and their clothes and their cars. They can't get past that. But see, we've been raised up out of that. See, we're, we're born again. We're born again spiritual beings of God. We're raised up out of that mess. God, he wants us to walk in a higher place. Go to verse 33. And then he tells us. Now, now this is a powerful statement. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. See, Jesus is telling us, he's telling us to make a change here. And he's, that's what he's telling us today. He says, above all the things that you seek throughout the week. And let's see, what do, we, do I need to elaborate on that? The things that we seek throughout the week. What's on Facebook? Okay, what's the Cardinals doing? Hey, I got, you know what? I have an app, my phone's down there. I have an app on my phone, MLB. I touch that thing and it shows me exactly what the Cardinals are doing right then. I don't have the Cubs on there, I'll tell you. <laughs> but I'm sure some of you do. So anyway, so, so what do we seek? Seek me first the kingdom of God. See, that's, where, that's what he wants. He knows that the only way that he can have our heart if we will seek him first. And that's where generosity comes in at. That's where, that's where we open our heart and say, God, I'm not going to worry about my clothing. I'm not going to worry about my food. I'm not going to worry about any of my stuff. I'm going to seek you, and I'm going to do what your word says to do. That's right. See, that's how you know. See, this is also a good checkup for a lot of people here today. If there's anything, if there's probably one sin in the church across America today, not, uh, I'm not, this is not Orchardville exclusive, but if there's one sin that goes completely against the Word of God that is in the church today, it's the lack of generosity. It's the lack of paying our tithes. Here in, and and I, I don't preach on tithes, uh, tithes and offerings very often. Uh, I don't, in fact, I don't even know if I've ever preached on it since I've been here. But I'm going to in a couple of weeks. And the reason I'm going to do that, because it is the word of God. And if you want the blessings of God to be manifested in your life and in your family, it's one of the requirements because it's not about money. It's about obeying God. And I have no other agenda other than preaching to you and teaching to you the things that are in the Word of God and the things that I have seen in my family that has made a tremendous difference in my life. And that's what I want you to have. No more, no less. So here, Jesus says, he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And then he says, and he will give you everything you need. He'll give us what we need if we'll just focus upon him. If we'll just put ourselves open toward him. If we'll just do that. That's why Pastor Mark used to say on a regular basis, and, and I say it, and I've picked it up also, just read two chapters a day. If you'll read two chapters a day, your focus will shift from the things of the world, from your torment, from your from your personal victories, your, your focus will shift from the natural world over to God. And as your focus shifts, as your, as your time, where you put your time at, where you put your money at, as those things change, you are inviting God 
into your life. You are inviting the creator of the universe, the one that knows the beginning from the end, you are inviting him to have an active part of everything that's important to you. That was pretty weak. <laughs> pretty weak. God is not concerned with what you have. He is concerned with what you put first. He don't care if you have five Corvettes or five four-wheelers, as long as he's first. Had a man tell me last week, a young man has been through a lot. He's on track. And he says, every time we, we put God first, he says, everything turned out, everything turned around. That's right. You know, that don't only work for young people. That, that works for all of us. When we'll turn and change our focus and our direction and put God first, things change in our life because we are inviting him in. Please, Lord, help me with my finances. Please, Lord, help me raise these kids. Please, Lord, help me with my marriage. Please, Lord, watch over my grandkids and protect them. Mm. <sighs> Generosity. You know, to not be generous and not be obedient to God is complete rebellion. <laughs> I knew that would, I knew when I, when the Lord was giving me this sermon, I knew that would not get an amen. <laughs> I, I, I was almost sure. <clears throat> but to not be generous and not to obey his word is outright rebellion. Amen. It's it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a sign. It's a warning sign. It's, it's like a guardrail. It's like an alert that things aren't right in our heart, that we need to change things. And you know, you've heard me say before, man, if, if that's you, if you fit that, there is no condemnation in that. What God wants you to do, he wants you to repent of it. He wants you to uh, ask forgiveness of it and then turn around and correct those things in your heart. That's all God wants. He doesn't want me to beat you up or to condemn you. He wants to restore you, and that's what I want. I want to restore you. If we believe that the songs that we sang to this morning, if the God that we sang to this morning, the God that we worship, the God that sent his son, if we truly believe that he is who he says he is, why would we not be generous and why would we not be obedient? Why would we not make him first in our lives? Why would we not put him first? See, that this is so, so important. If you will make this small adjustment in your life, God will rearrange everything in your life. He will change it. He'll take it from, from being just, ah, eh, so-so, to off the charts, to no matter what happens, you will know and you will, you will feel blessed and no matter what circumstance you're in. It's true. It's true. And that's what God, that's the invitation this morning. 
that he will rearrange our finances. He'll rearrange our relationships. He'll rearrange our heart. He'll rearrange the direction that we're going. Now, here's the thing. Here, here's the danger. Being in America, in a sermon like this, here's the danger. And I know many people are thinking this right now. Well, I don't know nobody nothing. I, I, have a, I have a good marriage. My kids are doing good. I don't have any problems. And you know what? And I hope that's true for everybody in here. But if God is not first in your life, you're in a world of hurt. Because you are walking way beneath what he truly wants for you. Way beneath. Because the blessings of God are not about what we own. The blessings of God is about how much of our heart does he have. If you have a need this morning, go ahead and come. If you've never received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we ask you to come. If you have a need in your family, with your friends, love love them enough to pray for them, will you? I ask you, pray for those around you. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for those at work. How else is God going to intervene in their life if us believers don't pray for them? Oh, that breaks my heart. greatest commandments love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself how can we love our neighbor if we won't even pray for It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.